0: The difference between true forgiveness and forgiving and forgetting is, I can remember it, but not be shackled to the bitterness of it. I can remember the details of walking in the room where my mom was murdered, it was a horrible scene. I don't forget that, but I think of it, it might make me sad for a second, but I'm not lost and trapped in that place that makes me be a worse man, right? I can use that memory and actually use it to help other people.
1: Welcome guys and gals to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Imagine having experienced mentors with decades of wisdom delivered right to your ears. On this podcast, we'll talk about purpose, leaving a legacy, influence, love, sex, success, and so much more. Don't forget to leave us a review, subscribe, and join the thousands of other changemakers in our community on Facebook, or go to www.mantalks.com. Today, I'm joined by Dean Smith, who is a forgiveness expert and high-performance coach. He was the subject of an award-winning internationally distributed documentary that captured his journey to forgive, reconcile with, and help save the life of the man that murdered his mother. This documentary was called Live to Forgive. With a diverse and extraordinary background in professional sports, entrepreneurialism, and high-end sales, Dean has dedicated his life through ministry, life coaching, and as a keynote speaker to transform and empower leaders to live and perform with passion and purpose. He's the founder and director of Live to Forgive Ministries and the director of executive coaching for the Dino Leadership Institute. In addition to earning a master's degree in organizational leadership, Dean was (laughs) awarded the highly coveted Class Clown Award for his senior high school year. (laughs) Pretty funny. This podcast was by far the most emotional and moving podcast that I have ever been on and, and heard. And, you know, I found myself at one point listening to Dean's story and on the other side of the microphone sitting here trying to hold back tears which were just like streaming down my face like i just couldn't even i I couldn't even hold it back because of who he is as a human being and the struggles that he had to go through i've I've never heard a story like his and i i hope that you listen on because it was an absolutely moving and transformative um, interview at least for myself and i feel like you will get a lot out of it we talk extensively about forgiveness not just from a theoretical standpoint but from somebody who has forgiven something that I found myself questioning and asking myself whether or not I could even forgive somebody for this type of transgression. So uh, listen on because this is by far one of the most powerful interviews that I've ever had the the pleasure to be a part of. All right, Dean, thank you so much for being on the Man Talks podcast. Thanks for having me, Connor. This is awesome. So just for some context for all the listeners out there, Dean and I, I don't remember how we got introduced. This was like months ago. We just had a a conversation on Skype and I absolutely loved what you're up to in the world. And who you are. And so I I had to have you on the podcast. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't happen very often that I just talk to someone and I'm like, oh my goodness, okay. We we need to talk and record it. But to kick things off, Dean, just to give our listeners a, an an idea of who you are, one of our favorite questions to ask is can you share with us a defining moment in your life and how it's shaped who you are? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for
0: that question, even you know. A lot of times, defining us as men is something that happened when we were much younger. And for me, that moment was when I was sitting in Mrs. Herschel's sixth grade classroom at Southwood Elementary School in Enumclaw, Washington. Um, I got called out of the class and into the principal's office where I was met by the local pastor, Pastor Rex Bell. And this pastor who had a haircut, if you can picture like a monk, just hair around the sides, bald on the top. He walks right up to me and he looks at me with a very grave look on his face. And he says, Dean, I need you to go with me. We need to go to the hospital. And I remember my heart just sank, this this pit in my stomach. Um, And I said, what happened? And he said, something's happened to your mom. Now, for me, those words were uh, probably the absolute worst thing that he could possibly say. See, growing up um, here in the sixth grade, I had had four different stepdads already. My mom had been married four times, and in between the husbands were different boyfriends. So we'd moved over 20 times before I was in the sixth grade. My life was always um, getting used to new schools, trying to make new friends, making a lot of new enemies, getting used to father figures, moving, moving. Um, But the one thing, Connor, that remained... uh, consistent. The one thing I could put all my faith into, the one thing I could count on in my life was my mama. I love my mama. And um, Pastor Rex took me to Harborview Medical Center in downtown Seattle. And I walk into this room where my mom is laying with bandages around her head. And I did what any boy would do who had watched a lot of TV. I, I put my hands on my mom's arm and I cried out to a God I didn't know. And I begged and I pleaded and I negotiated You know, please, God, don't let my mom die. And unfortunately, that prayer wasn't heard that day. What had happened was earlier that morning, my fourth stepdad, Bob, who was actually the nicest of all my dads to this point, he'd been my stepdad for about two years, he and my mom got into a horrible argument. And in a fit of rage, Bob walked down the hall, went into my bedroom, grabbed my Christmas present out of my closet which was a baseball bat. And he walked back down to where my mom was. Uh, February 11th of my sixth grade year was the year that I watched my mom die right in front of me. It's probably about a half hour later. This, this, the first defining moment of my life, I'm, I'm eating this egg salad sandwich. I've got tears rolling down my cheeks. It's a, it's a half hour after my mom was pronounced dead and pastor Rex is sitting across from me. He has no idea what to say. And I made this decision in this moment, Connor, that I was going to grow up big and I was going to grow up strong and I was going to use the anger I had towards Bob for taking my mom's life. And I was going to use it as motivation. And I was was going to be successful and I was going to be the best I could be for my mom. But I decided I was going to hang on to this anger. And I realized that Bob would go to prison, but I knew that someday he'd get out. And when he did, I was going to be there waiting for him either to kill him or at least beat him within an inch of his life, but I was going to hang on to it and use it as motivation. Something really neat that happened, though, that sort of turned the course of my life was that I was adopted by that pastor that picked me up (laughs) from school that day. And I went from being this wild and crazy kid um, with with all these different kinds of abuse and drugs and all these things to all of a sudden being this wild and crazy pastor's kid. And now my life was in a total different direction. And if if you knew me, Connor, back in junior high and high school, um, I, you know, voted class clown my senior year as a goofball. And, and I remember, um, you know, when you become a pastor's kid, you know, I became a a Christian, obviously, and you go to church a lot as a pastor's kid. I don't know if you knew that, Connor, but you do. (laughs) And I I remember that, you know, the youth, the youth leaders kind of on the sideline, like, oh, he's doing so well. Look at him. He's adjusted so great. He's so happy. And on the outside, I was. And on the inside, there was this anger of brewing. And and I thought I could just use it. I thought I could compartmentalize it. And my coping mechanisms were simply humor and stuffing it down. But then I got into college. All of a sudden, I needed something a little stronger to deal with that inner turmoil. And I became a statistic. I got into drugs and alcohol. Um, I got married at the age of 20. I was playing college basketball and on scholarship at that point. And um, uh, I got so married at the age of 20, divorced at the age of 22, as you can imagine. And I remember looking in the mirror about to barely graduate from college and realizing that I was a total loser in my own mind. And I went back to something that my my pastor dad, Pastor Rex, would say to me. About every three months, he was a, he was a good dad, by the way. And it was nice to have finally a really positive father figure in my life for these years. And he would come in and and he would talk with me and he would listen to me wherever I was around the house, whether I was doing dishes or outside. There's this one thing he said, Connor, he would ask me this question. He'd say, Dean, how is your forgiveness going? And i say, dad, it's going fine. You know, thanks so much for asking, just kind of trying to shove him off. He would kind of stop me, Dean, how is your forgiveness going? Dad, I don't know. It's going fine. What am I supposed to say? And then he would hit me with these words that would sort of torment me for years and and still try today if I get out of line. And he said, Dean, you will never live in the fullness of your God-given potential until you make forgiveness a priority. Uh. And now here looking in the mirror about to graduate from college and feeling like a loser and knowing that I was doing things I thought I'd never do and I was addicted to a couple different drugs and divorced and I'm looking in the mirror and hearing my dad's words that I would never live in the fullness of my God-given potential until I made forgiveness a priority and for me here now in my early 20s I made this decision and I didn't feel like forgiving I didn't want to forgive really. I didn't think Bob deserved forgiveness, but somehow I said, today I make a choice that I am going to forgive so that I can be the best man that I was called to be on this earth. I wasn't doing it for Bob. I was doing it for me and I started this process of forgiveness and and long story short, I I got a passion for personal development and spiritual development, very important for me which led me to be able to forgive the man that murdered my mom um, completely to the point of not being angry and a defining moment of my, of my, of my life, Connor, going back to your original question was not just the place where, um, where I forgave him to not being angry, but realizing in the absence of bitterness, there's endless possibilities. And it was the day that I realized that I was called as a man to actually reach out to Bob. He'd been out of prison for several years. I, I found him, I called him and I told him on the phone that not only do I forgive him, but I believe that he had unforgiveness towards himself. And if he would let me, I would love to help him walk in freedom as well, that he had paid his time on this earth for his crime and now I wanted him to use his life as I felt God had called me to do to something greater than
1: himself. Now that sounds
0: pretty crazy, even as I say it, Connor.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, it does in some parts, but then, you know, there's, there's who, I mean, it's just a, it's just a big thing to, to take on to yourself and to ask of yourself and, and and an incredible gift as well i think to to yourself and the other person and you know before we before we move forward you know i just want to say thank you for for sharing that because you know, i'm sitting here staring out the window at this beautiful scene in vancouver and listening to your story and you know it's just a very moving experience and i appreciate that you shared that with us because you know that is to me the the depth of what's possible for for people when it comes to forgiveness. And I would like to dive into some of those areas in and around forgiveness at some point, but I just wanted to acknowledge you first because it takes courage and and bravery and it takes courage to forgive somebody and you know move forward. Just out of curiosity, I mean, do you still do you still talk to Bob? Is he still in your life? Um what does that look like now? Well, it, it there's
0: a twist. Connor, there's a twist in our story. Oh. <laughs> so we became friends on that day that I called him back in 2006. And, um, we started talking about every three to four weeks. And I was really just trying to give him words of encouragement, uh, you know, as a minister in my church at the time. So I would give him these little sermonettes thinking they were going really great. After about a year of talking to him, all of a sudden he stops calling me back. And I remember, I was like, you know, my, that voice of self-righteousness that we all have. How dare he not call me back after all I've done for him? And I had to actually forgive him again for kind of dogging me. And about six months later, I get a call um, out of the blue. And it's, it's from Tennessee where he lived. And I answer it. And it's not him. It's his girlfriend, Shelby. And she says, Dean, I know that you've been friends with Bob. And um, I just wanted to ask you to pray for him because he just attempted suicide. And I remember my heart sank. And I guess the story was he started, he was focusing so much on all the lives, quote unquote, that he had ruined and all the pain he'd caused so many people that he thought life wasn't worth living. And he tried to take his own life. And I remember in that moment, I knew exactly what I was supposed to do, which I was supposed to go see him. And I was supposed to go help him. And so I live in Seattle, Washington and Tennessee is on the other side of the country. And I got a plane ticket and I traveled across to spend the weekend with him to help save his life. And um, I I would invite all the listeners right now to try to find yourself in this one moment that I had um, and picture picture the people in your life um, that you're having trouble forgiving. We'll just call them your bobs. If you would, we play this game with me, Connor, can we have some fun here with this? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. So you picture who are the people that when you see their face, you get a little angry and a little bitter and, and know that you haven't forgiven them in, in your heart. Well, we can call those people for this discussion. We'll just call them your bobs. Okay. And remember in the absence of bitterness, There's endless possibilities. I I realize that um, reconciliation is not always practical or appropriate for everyone, right? I mean, that's just not always going to be the case for me in my situation. It was, so I fly across the country and after a weekend with him, I find myself in this situation the last day. I think we've had all of our good conversations and out of the blue Connor, he says, Dean, the incident happened on a Tuesday. With your mom, but I want to take you back to the Friday before, and he began to tell me every detail about the days leading up to my mom's murder, the money problems, the drug issues, the problems with the kids, my mom staying out late, um, the painkillers, his uh, all these different health issues, and he's getting to Saturday and Sunday and Monday. And my heart is beating out of my chest. I'm sitting three feet away from him, looking the man. Directly in the eyes who murdered my mother as he told me every detail about that day, including how many times he hit her and what her last words were. And in the absence of bitterness, anything is possible. Now, had I not truly forgiven him from the heart, Connor, that might have been a very, very different situation. But I had truly forgiven him. And I'm sitting there listening to his words and I hate everything he's saying, hate it, hate the details. But I'm looking at him and realizing that in the same way I need grace, in the same way I need forgiveness, God had given me the power and the ability to forgive him. And I remember in that moment feeling a little sad, of course, by what he was saying, but I felt more powerful and more free Than I ever felt before. Because for the first time, more clearer than ever, I realized I will never be held down by what anyone else does against me or to me if I can continue to forgive. And my dad's words come back into color for me. And I was in this moment able to encourage him and walk in the fullness of my God given potential. And I
1: tell you, that's a powerful feeling, Connor. That's fantastic. I mean, you know, sometimes when when these stories come up, it's hard to even know what to say or what direction good to go. But I, I think for all the listeners out there, not that you know, not that anybody can resonate with the specific story, but everybody can resonate with having someone who has harmed them and having somebody who's gone against them or harmed somebody that they love um, or taken from them in some way. And you know, one of the biggest battles, whether it's being able to forgive somebody else or being able to forgive ourselves. That's, that's one of the biggest battles that we fight in life. And, you know, I think it's just honestly a a really powerful gift to, to hear your story and hear an example of what's possible. So thanks again.
0: Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Cause sometimes I like what you said when you said um, sometimes we can't relate to a story like mine. I mean, it, you know, if, if the people we can't forgive are Bob's, this is a pretty big Bob that I was talking about. Mm. But when you picture um, bitterness being like a poison in your spirit, whether you have a glass full of cyanide or whether you just have one drop in a glass of water, it's equally as poisonous, right? And it keeps us from being the men that we were called to be, the men that we could be. And so you realize, like you said, whether it's forgiving someone else or forgiving ourselves, We've got to
1: make forgiveness a priority as men. I agree, my friend. Well, let's dive into, you know, let's dive into some of those pieces. I mean, I think that your story gives the listeners a good idea of your journey, but also how you've kind of gone about uh, forgiveness. Uh, what, what do you do now? Like what What keeps you busy in the world nowadays? So, a couple of different
0: things. Uh, obviously, you can tell I have a passion for forgiveness. So, I, I, I'm blessed to, to travel around and talk to different types of groups about unshackling from the hurts of the past. I get to be the director and founder of a ministry called uh, Live to Forgive Ministries. Uh, there was, interestingly, that journey across the country was captured by a film crew. So, um, long story short, my journey was made into an award-winning internationally distributed documentary called live to forgive. So I I was blessed to, um, a few years ago, travel around and and promote that, but it's, um, you know, my passion has always been to use both my challenges and my setbacks and my successes to help others. And for the last few years, I've, I've been blessed to be the director of executive coaching, for the Augmandino Leadership Institute. So basically now I'm a, I'm a high performance coach, um, as well as a minister. It's kind of, kind of funny, kind of having both of these sides, like what?
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> okay. Um,
1: a high performance minister. Yeah. So it's fun. And you know, <laughs> I, uh,
0: I think that we all have, uh, most of us have some spiritual aspect to us. I don't necessarily shove all my exact beliefs, but uh, down someone else, someone else's, um, system. But I will say that whatever it is you believe in go for a hundred percent. So, um, I get to be a coach and, and really a fun little update right now is that I I get to go to LA next week. And, um, there's some people interested in making my story into uh, a movie movie. It's been a documentary and now we're working on making it into a motion picture you can see in a theater. So that'll be fun to see how
1: that develops as well. Very cool. That's fantastic. Very cool. And so what, like, where did the transition into, I mean, the, you know, the minister makes sense. It's, it's, uh, it, it's a, it's a trajectory that I can understand. Where did the high performance coach part come come from? <laughs>
0: <laughs> fun question. So it was it always been interesting that, you know, on the weekends I would, I would be speaking in, in Christian environments and on the weekdays I, I was a sales guy for 15 years and pharmaceutical sales. And I was really blessed to, to reach some of the highest levels of success and, um, you know, national rep of the year type of stuff and super thankful for that. And um, I found myself in a position to be able to start helping others be their best. And I'm like, gosh, this is, this is my passion. This is what I like more than anything is helping other people experience passion for what they do and, and finding fulfillment. Even if it's something Uh, In sales, you know, how many of us start out in a job or a career and it's so exciting and we're helping people and we're making money and somewhere along the way and the hustle and bustle of life and the rigors and the stresses of the mundane details, we lose our passion and we, we forget that we had fulfillment and a purpose at one point in the things that we do. And it's just kind of like going through the motions. And I feel I feel like my place in this world is to help people reignite their passion, and to reengage with their purpose and find fulfillment in what they're doing, and that includes what they're doing at home with their family as husbands and as fathers too. But so that was the, that was my transition. That was a long answer
1: for a short question. No, no, that's that's okay. It's okay. It, it makes sense. You know, in terms of what you do with with high performance, what are some of the things that I'm I'm curious actually, what are some of the things that you see as as crossovers between people having success and and being high performers and people being able to forgive in their lives and being able to move forward and, and being able to let go of things? Because I, I feel like there's a correlation between people holding on to things and people being held back in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. In the in the
0: original language, there was four words for the word love, right? And there's there's PIA and there's agape and there's Eros. And so there's this word agape. And it means to have a heightened sense of awareness, to get out of your own agenda, out of your own pains and angers and, and uh, of life, and to get this heightened sense of awareness. And in the, in the Christian world, you might say um, it's, a, it's, like a, it's like a godly love. But in the business world, it's, it's really just stepping back and seeing things from a higher perspective. And so we use even, even in Augmentino Leadership Institute, we use this term agape to see other people's challenges, to see other people's pains and realize that everything we've been through, the the listeners on the line that have been abused in all sorts of different ways, that that can be used to help other people. And when we're able to look at the challenges we've been through and begin to, instead of asking why, why me? And why this? And how come to start to say what with what I've been through, what can I create? How can I create it? And how will it serve others? How can we serve others regardless of what we've been through, regardless as if we wanted to be here or not, how can we serve others right where we are? And when you start to ask that productive question, you start to see where you are from a different perspective. Um, it doesn't mean that everyone travels around and speaks from a stage. But even at work, you see somebody sort of shine away from the group or you see somebody being inauthentic and you think to yourself, ah, I know what that's like. I've been there before. And then you find that you have this word of encouragement. You you start to see that maybe the best way to find healing in yourself is to get out of yourself and begin to help others with what you've been through.
1: Yep, that's uh, <laughs> that's pretty on point. I mean, at least for me, that that definitely resonates and lands. What do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions of forgiveness? Because I feel like you know people have certain ideals and perceptions of forgiveness. So what what do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions that's, that's out there that you've come across? I'm so glad
0: you're asking me this. I'm so glad because how many listeners right now are thinking um, my Bob doesn't deserve forgiveness and I'm not doing that for them. No way.
1: (laughs) Screw screw that. Right.
0: And, and, and I, I totally get it. I get it. But I want to go back to something I said is that forgiveness Is something you do for yourself so that you can be the best husband you can be. So you can be the best professional you can be. So you can be the best father because because, um, when you're harboring bitterness and it's keeping you from being at your best, right? So another thing is the forgive and forget myth. Well, I'm never going to forget that my mom was brutally murdered. Never going to forget that. But the difference between true forgiveness and forgiving and forgetting is I can remember it but not be shackled to the bitterness of it. I can remember the details of walking in the room where my mom was murdered. It was a horrible scene. I don't forget that, but I think of it, it might make me sad for a second, but I'm not lost and trapped in that place that makes me be a worse man, right? I can use that memory and actually use it to help other people. Here's another one. I tried to forgive Connor, but it just didn't work. And then I asked those people, oh, tell me about how you tried to forgive. <laughs> and it's really, it's really consistently funny how many people, well, I, you know, they maybe spent two days in whatever their methodology was. For some it was praying, for some it was reading a book and, and trying a couple of times. It's like I've found that when people make forgiveness a priority, which means they make it a daily choice. Um, I often say a lot of times we have this thought like, I'm going to take all my bitterness, all my anger. I'm going to get rid of it. Ah, Yahoo! And it's just going to be gone. But the truth is, and I've been so, so blessed to be a part of thousands of people's uh, forgiveness process is in the real world, what it usually looks like. I'm going to take all my bitterness. I'm going to take all my anger. I'm going to bloop. And we give just one little bloop a day. One little bloop of anger, we're able to surrender. One little bloop of thoughts of revenge. One little bloop of... (sighs) But when we stay in the process, little by little, whatever our process may be where we are um, spiritually and emotionally, is you can forgive anyone for anything. I want to encourage all the listeners that you can do it. And when you do it, and this is the important thing, when you do it, You'll find new possibilities in your life. And the thing about here's one more thing I'll end with is that forgiveness is not just something you're doing for yourself. You're doing it for everyone around you. When I forgave the man that murdered my mother, it trickled in so many different ways. Obviously, as a speaker, that seems obvious. But my sister My sister's life completely changed because she realized she had a new possibility and she was able to forgive. My kids now have a theme around the house. You know, when I'm angry and I'm sending them, Ava, go to your room. My eight-year-old daughter, she's like, Daddy, we're Smiths. We forgive first and we forgive fast. (laughs) And I say, I say, honey, I forgive you. Now go to your room. (laughs) But that uh, in forgiveness, there's freedom. And in forgiveness, there's love. And in forgiveness, there's power all right, do I sound like a preacher all of a sudden? All right, sorry. I'll
1: <laughs> uh, no, that was, that was, that was great. I, I really liked that in terms of finding forgiveness. Cause like some of the things, one of the major things that I feel like you've touched on is anger, you know, and I, and having been in a situation before and having worked with a lot of people who, you know, really struggle to forgive and and really struggle to to move towards forgiveness. Anger is usually the block, right? Anger is usually the thing that is that is standing there in the way and it's it's the thing that most people will sit with like they would rather be angry or hurt than move towards forgiveness. And so, you know, you kind of touched on there, but what not incentive, but what do you tell people? In order to help them move from anger towards forgiveness and, and to keep on trying, like, you know, are, are there actionables? Are there things that that you did that you would recommend that other, pe- other people do?
0: Great. So I like what you actually said. You used the word. You said incentive. And so, you know, sometimes the incentive that I think is the incentive, like, Connor, you should forgive because of this. It may not resonate with a lot of guys, Right. So I say, let's use the incentive that does resonate. So for some guys, even when I say it'll help you be the greatest you you can be, when you're stuck in anger, like like you mentioned, sometimes that just doesn't cut it. But here's, here's one. Hey, Connor, what if your bitterness is drastically affecting your children? And if you don't think it is, ask your significant other. <laughs> And and they'll tell you, uh, yeah, honey. When the kids do something, you seem to be getting angrier than you should. Hmm. Could it be the compounding effect of the bitterness you're holding towards your dad, towards your uncle, towards the guy at work? So sometimes our incentive is that we don't want to hurt our kids. Sometimes the incentive is we want to be better at what we do in sales. It's, I guess it's it's different for each of us, but. For me, it was it was that I had this dream um, growing up that I was going to be somebody who helped a lot of people. That's all I knew. And, you know, watching my my fifth and final dad, my pastor dad, I would I would see him on the stage in front of uh, hundreds and thousands of people. And he was just so inspirational. And I thought, I want to be like him someday. And getting caught up and not making forgiveness a priority, I realized I was heading in the exact opposite way of that dream of that vision. And it's like, ah, I'll never be the inspirer, the encourager, the lover, or even the most powerful man I can be until I truly choose to make forgiveness process. Here's the one thing, Connor, is that we don't have to have it figured out. We don't even have to feel like it. The first step is to choose to forgive, say, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but I choose to forgive. And then you ask for help. And we all ask for help. It might be from a mentor. It might be from a pastor. It might be from me. It might be from you. It might be from anybody, but you make a choice and you get some help. And it doesn't mean me, like, you don't have to go pay for a counselor or something. It might be a book. It might be a message online, but get some help.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I I like that because it's you know I have a a saying uh, which is what you avoid you become, and it's that it's that piece to just remind especially myself and the and the men that I work with is just to remind them that like you know if you're if you're trying to avoid anger you become angry right because that does it just doesn't go away you know like it's 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 just there and you know it's it's one of those things where you you carry it around you carry it around and it just um, takes over it's that idea of what you resist persists right so i really like that message and you know i really like the, the the message and the story behind what you're talking about because it's it's moving towards something it's seeing what's possible and you know it's it's knowing that it's not only for the benefit of yourself but it's actually for the benefit of everybody involved so that's that's fantastic you know in terms of refueling refueling yourself and, and refueling this like I'm, I'm sure that it comes up Every once in a while where you, you you know, or maybe I shouldn't assume, but do you, does it still come up for you every once in a while where you feel that angry, even though um, Bob is no longer uh, in your life?
0: Well, I'll pivot with that question. Watch this. So I forgave the man that murdered my mother brutally when I was in sixth grade. But here's the truth. A harder journey, a harder, a more difficult challenge for me was forgiving myself and forgiving my second and final wife Molly we've been married for 14 years together for 16 and forgiving her during the, just over the course of our marriage and forgiving myself have actually been more challenging than forgiving the man that murdered my mother and so does it come up does does needing to forgive myself come up Absolutely, because forgiveness, as I, I'll go back to, is a daily choice. Oh, I thought I had forgiven. I thought I was through and something happened and it came up again. That's okay. That's okay. When you acknowledge and are aware that forgiveness is a process, you never accomplish it. It's not like the the Olympic Awards where someone puts a gold medal around your neck. Dun, 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 dun. You have forgiven, Connor. <laughs> No. No. Nope, no, nope. it's just going to be a daily challenge. This is one of the greatest and and most significant challenges that we will experience as men is this the challenge of being free from anger and bitterness so that we can be the best men we can be. So the answer to your question in short is yes, it comes up. Yes, it comes up that my mind wants to go back and pick out all the negative of my wife and focus on it, but I make a choice and I look for the good and I verbalize my my good findings, being condemning myself for things I did in the past that were stupid, ridiculous decisions. Um, It tries to come up and bring me down. And you know what I say? No. And the same process I engage in to forgive others is the same process I engage in to forgive myself. I make a choice and I do whatever is practical and appropriate for me. Whether it's my spiritual journey, whether it's my personal development journey, whether it's my daily habits and affirmations and reading certain books, it's all part of my process. And I make it important because it affects me and the ones around me greater than I could ever know.
1: Yeah, it's, that's powerful. And I think one of the other misconceptions is that forgiveness does just at some point, like the plane just lands and all of a sudden it never comes up again, you know, and it's nice to hear uh, it's nice to hear a very sort of realistic approach to it because, you know, I'm sure what a lot of people can resonate with um, is the anger is dealing with it and feeling like there's an uh, an unconscious or even a conscious expectation that at some point that level of forgiveness should just be there. And you should always you like you should just reach this level, get the reward. And get them, you know, the forgiveness medal, uh, uh, the Olympic medal, as as you stated, and and then just move forward and never have it come up again. And so it's and it's and it's interesting to see how those patterns have sort of like re-shown up and you've you've got the opportunity to, you know, forgive again and again. So that's powerful.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, some I, I talk about forgiveness. I think about forgiveness. I write about it. And yet I never woke up in the morning, awakened in the morning. And felt like forgiving. I've never went, oh, I feel like forgiving. Never felt like it. In fact, I feel like sticking it to the people who did me wrong, right? (laughs) But I know that won't get me. So it's like, don't worry about how you feel. And don't worry that it's not all. It's perfect. It's just simply when you just realize, okay, this is just going to be a constant journey I'm on. Because I am living in the real world. And life keeps lifing. And like I say, bobs keep bobbing. And it's a
1: daily process. Wonderful. Well, we're gonna start to wrap it up here, my friend. But just with that in mind, what sort of the, one of the questions that I love asking is in and around legacy? It sounds like you know, our listeners and even myself has got a very clear idea of what your purpose in life is and, and what drives you. Um, but what sort of legacy do you wanna leave in the world? So when
0: I think a legacy, I I I think of the funerals I've been to recently, and I had been to several funerals in the last year. Some people I barely knew and others I knew very, very well, close family members. And at the funeral, you get a sense of what someone's legacy is, don't you? People that talk. And and, and I realized that the only one that seems to have a lasting effect, in my personal experience, was the people who left a legacy of love. And my my legacy I want it to be one that that helped that loved somebody who loved hard and helped others love hard as well. Both and that includes both to receive love, to to not be angry all the time, that's part of that and forgiving and but to be able to receive and give love and when you receive and are able to powerfully give love um, does it make you high-performance professional? It, it certainly helps. Does it make you a better dad? Yes. A better father? Yes. And so for me, leaving a legacy of love is like this overarching theme of helping people be the best they can be because without love, you ain't got much. But with love, with love, man, whoo. And, and I'm not talking about a huggy, kissy love either. I'm talking about that agape love, that, that heightened sense of awareness, that uh, something
1: much bigger than um, smoochy, kissy, by the way. I love it. Um, so you all ready for the rapid fire? I'm ready for the rapid fire, Connor. All right. So what is one experience you would recommend to anyone? One experience?
0: Jumping off a very high cliff into deep water.
1: Hmm. okay um most (laughs) not what i was expecting um most underrated trait for modern day success
0: uh beatboxing
1: i love it uh what's what's the one book that you would take with you if you were stranded on a desert island oh of course the bible of course (laughs) (laughs) uh the one movie you'd take
0: Either Braveheart or Tommy Boy.
1: Oh, Tommy Boy. Those are very different. I would, mine would probably be Braveheart. That's my favorite. Yes. Who do you think is one of the most influential people of all time and why? Uh,
0: Billy Graham. Because he did what it is that I hope to do. And I don't just mean from preaching Jesus Christ. I mean just helping people love and to love themselves. And to love others
1: awesome uh and where can people find you if they if they want to track you down and they're inspired by your message where can they find you they can go
0: to dean at og, O-G mandino.com that's o-g-m-a-n-d-i-n-o.com dean
1: at Ogmandino.com. wonderful and we'll have the we'll have the link for that in the notes um, so Dean, thank you so much for being on the man talks podcast, um, for everybody out there, uh, you know, definitely go check out Dean, uh, on his, on his website. Um, do you have any of the social media accounts that they should check you out at? Do you have Twitter? Do you have those other resources that they should find you at? They can go to live
0: to forgive.com to check out the forgivenessy stuff. The augmentino um, is just dot if they want the, the coaching stuff, but, Forgiveness is at LiveToForgive.com.
1: Wonderful. Okay. Uh, So thanks very much, Dean. And uh, for the rest of the listeners, um, check him out or go to Mantalks.com for more podcasts, blog posts, and the videos that are uh, coming up from the events. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. And uh, when you have a second, please please leave us a rating uh, on iTunes as it goes a long way to putting this podcast into the ears of other men and women. Um, the big thing that's coming up, we uh, by this time have had our event in Miami, which is fantastic and we will be launching in Ottawa in Toronto or in uh, Calgary uh, and we are coming to the cities near you in Denver in Atlanta uh, and also in Chicago in the next couple of months. So stay tuned for more details on that and um, if you want to check that out definitely just go to mantalks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Man Talks podcast. Catch us next week for another inspiring conversation with an inspiring man.